I want to uh, talk about trust today for just a little while. In traditional worship, where I've been for the past few Sundays, we've been talking about life words, words that give life as opposed to death words, words that destroy and harm and hurt folks. And some of the life words we've been talking about, and I'll say more about it in just a minute, are love and mercy and grace. And today we're talking about trust. Next week we're going to talk about the word obey. And so I know some of your speakers over here have been following this and others have addressed other topics and that's fine. But I want us to, uh, to pick up with this today. We're in a season of the church here called Epiphany. It kind of comes between Christmas and Lent. We begin that on Ash Wednesday and Shrove Tuesday is before Ash Wednesday and the Pancake Supper. We've got all kinds of great things coming up that remind us of who we are about as God's people. And I hope you'll You'll choose to be a part of that. A couple of things about life words, and then I'll read the scripture lesson for today, which is very brief. And the first thing, sort of a sub-theme under everything that I've been saying and that we've been talking about, is that words matter. Sometimes you hear folks say, well, it's not what you say, it's what you do that makes a difference. And that's true, but words matter. Words can build up and encourage and lift us up, and words can really hurt. Words can tear us down. That old saying that we learned on the schoolyard years ago, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. That's not true. We've all got stories, I think, when words have hurt us. So keep that in mind, if you will. And then the second theme theme that I've kind of been under all this, if there are life words, there are death words. There are words that are spoken that pull people down, that hurt people, that, that harm people. Life words can open a window in a stuffy room and let the air swirl around and, and pick us up and revive us. And death words, you've heard them. Maybe you heard them from an adult when you were growing up. Maybe you've heard them from a colleague or a friend. They can hurt, hurt and harm us. So uh, we need to, my dad used to tell me, and I try to remember this when I was growing up, to put my brain in gear before I put my mouth in motion. I've not always remembered that. But I think the Christian paraphrase of that is, let's put our hearts in gear before we put our mouths in motion. And then we don't say things that are hurtful and harmful. So life for today is trust. You may recognize this passage, these two verses from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths and then from Isaiah chapter 12 and just one verse verse 2 surely God is my salvation I will trust and will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my might he has become my salvation we talked about the life word, the first life word was love and about the power of that word and how that word can go toe-to-toe with any word in the universe, the power of that. Loving folks, not always, you can like folks and not love them. You can love folks and not like them a lot, but when we love somebody, we want only what's best for them and we do not act in ways that are, that are harmful. Week two, our life word was mercy. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Are we merciful in our dealings with one another? Sometimes we want justice for others and mercy for ourselves. The opposite of love as a life word is hate. And hate is a 
stage four spiritual malignancy. It can destroy us from the inside out. And the opposite of mercy is revenge, and revenge is always a dead-end street. It's always. And then week three, our life word was grace. God's grace is sufficient for us. We've known that, but sometimes we act in ungraceful ways. The final act of grace, someone said, is to make us gracious people. So we need to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, is, is that where we are? And this week, trust. A dictionary definition of trust. Reliance on the character, strength, or truth of someone or something. A basis or reliance of faith, hope, and confident hope. And then there's an added dimension that I found in the Dictionary of Bible and Religion. Trust is confidence in God's promise. And the opposite of trust is often skepticism. And we live in a world where there is so much skepticism and disbelief. And we have a hard time trusting folks. Maybe we burn burn somewhere along the way. Trusting in God, one way of summarizing, I think, the totality of the scriptures is it's a story of trusting in God or not trusting in God and what the consequences are when we take either of those roads or either of those actions. When folks put their trust in themselves or in stuff or in things or in forces in this world, we come up short when we put our trust in God. Then we are whole persons. I can't help but think back to one of our former presidents, and some of you all know who this is. It's not a political statement. It's something he said that, that I've talked about and thought about a lot. Mickey and I talk about it sometimes. This president said, trust but verify. And in human relationships... I understand that. Verify. Find out in world politics when things are that risky and so much is at risk. Well, yeah, trust. But verify. I understand that. But when it comes to our relationship with God, can you imagine? All right, Lord, we trust you. But there's a vetting process we've got to put you through, Lord. So just stay with us for a little while. We, we've got to honor this. We need to do, Lord, for you before we can trust you. We need a criminal background check. We need a credit report. Uh, we need a psychological evaluation and a physical examination and a theological statement from you. We've got to call some references, Lord. Who would you like for us to call? Trust but verify. Do you want to make God laugh? Trust in God. A prayerful look at Calvary's cross should remind us that this is a God who will go to any length to show us that God is trustworthy. Trust is Jacob wrestling all night long at Penal and refusing to let go until God had blessed him. A God who with one touch could have destroyed him. Trust is Joseph saying to the brothers who had betrayed him and sold him into slavery, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. And Joseph provided for his family, chose not to destroy them. Trust is Moses saying to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who was like a god to his people. Trust is Moses saying to Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses did not rise to this level of trust in God rapidly. He sort of got drugged there, kicking and screaming. But eventually he, he trusted God enough to confront Pharaoh and the forces of evil. Trust is the children of Israel leaving the security of Egypt, even though it was in slavery, and moving out across the Red Sea and toward the Promised Land because they knew that their God would go with them. 
a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. God is trustworthy in that 40-year journey. And one particular aspect of that journey that I think about is the manna in the wilderness. You remember the bread from heaven? And God said to the people, I'm going to give you bread from heaven six days a week. But on the sixth day, remember, you don't need to collect anything extra. I will provide for you. But they, they gathered. Sometimes they took in too much. They took in too much. And the reason... No, I'm, let me get the story straight, because some of you know the story. On the sixth day, they gathered enough for two days, and that way they didn't have to collect on the Sabbath day. But some folks would collect even more because they felt like there would not be any more. It would run out, and God said, if you take too much, it's going to get wormy and moldy and old and smell bad. And trust me, God said, I'll provide for you, and God did. And I heard a woman once telling a story about when she was growing up with the Halloween candy. She used to always hide some away, she said, in the attic. Can you imagine Halloween candy in the attic for a year? Because she wasn't sure that there would be any more the next year. And then that candy after a year in the hot attic became like that manna that was collected and held on to because of the fear there wouldn't be any more. And it got moldy and old and, and smelly. Trust is Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego standing before King Nebuchadnezzar in the burning fiery furnace and saying, No, king, we will not bow down to you. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, that's a powerful phrase, but if not, we will not bow down to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, and we will not worship the golden statue. What has fascinated me for a long time about that story is these three faithful servants. They trusted God. Our God will deliver us. But if not, we still will not turn our back on this God. We still will serve this God. Our trust will still be in this God, even if God doesn't answer in a way that we think God should. The most powerful picture of trust I believe ever painted is our Lord on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. God can be trusted because God is good. How are we doing today with putting all of our trust, all of our faith in this God of the universe? Hebrews 13.8, the preacher proclaims, and Hebrews is more of an early Christian sermon than it is a letter. And in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The first followers of Jesus trusted him. Not all of them all the time. Some of them fell off the wagon and put their trust elsewhere. The apostle Paul trusted him, not flawlessly, but faithfully. How are we doing? Can we trust him with our deepest needs? True or false? Many of the problems we face today as Christian people are because we put our trust in the wrong things and in the wrong folks. Oftentimes we place too much trust in ourselves. Confidence is an asset for most folks, but arrogance is a minus and it's not a good thing. We're finite creatures. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. To trust self above all is not going to protect us from every disaster, but God will always provide. But when we trust ourselves, 
when we trust in our own ability and our own intellect and our own strength, we're building a house on the sand. Sooner or later, it's going to collapse. So we put our trust in God and not in other folks so much. And then there are those times when we place our ultimate trust in others, mortals that we are. Ultimate trust belongs to our God and to his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. But that's not to say that we should not trust other persons. We learn to trust. We build trust. Experience teaches us to trust folks and maybe some folks not to trust. An abundant life in this earthly realm involves vital relationships, and vital human relationships are always built on trust. And I'm thinking especially about marriage and how can you build a strong, life-affirming marriage without trust? It's so vital. Love is the key. And all the other life words, mercy and grace and words like joy and hope, have a role to play in this, but there has to be trust. We have to have confidence in one another. And we have to believe in one another. Now this next example is one I don't have a lot of experience with, but I would think that to have a successful business, there's got to be a level of trust. Trust between the owners and the managers and the employees and the customers. We've got to trust one another. And the claims made by advertisers, some so outrageous. Can we trust what we hear in those claims? And how about an academically high-performing school? Isn't there a high level of trust between administrators and teachers and students and, and colleagues? And when trust is missing, goals are not reached. And one other example would be in the church. And I'm thinking about a local church at this point, how there has to be a high level of trust for us to be at our best between the clergy and the staff and the lay leadership and the folks who make up the church and the community that we're called to minister to. Trust does not always equal agreement with all of those who are concerned. Trust does mean that we believe that others, just like we do, have the best interest of the body at heart. And then we can trust one another. Trust is the glue that makes life meaningful and productive. It's a life word for sure. And when we lose trust, then everything else is going to begin to crumble and, and fall apart. And how do we get along? How do we make anything good happen? How do we follow a God of grace and a God of glory without trust? I want to end with a story. It's a simple story. You've heard some version of it somewhere along the way. It's one of those stories that's kind of been around forever, and I don't know what version of this story you might have heard, but, but anyway, it's uh, about a small town, a rural area, and the fields around the town were all parched and brown and dried up. There was drought. It hadn't rained in forever, and people were getting anxious, and they were getting fearful, and so the pastors in the community decided we're going to meet at the courthouse square on Saturday at noon. We want everyone to come. And we're going to pray for rain. And we want you to bring an object that represents your faith. Something that reminds you of what you believe. And so everyone showed up. There was a crowd there that day. And some of them brought their holy books. And some brought crosses. And some brought rosaries. And some had other things. And they gathered around with their anxious faces and, and hopeful hearts. And they were clutching 
their holy objects. And as the hour was drawing to a close, the hour for the prayer meeting, it began to cloud up. And there was some rumbling of thunder and some rain started to fall and the people rejoiced in gratitude and praise and they held their objects up high to celebrate what God was doing. But the object that was held high above all of the others was in the hand of a nine-year-old. You know what it was. <laughs> it was an umbrella. When we have trouble trusting our God, maybe we can gain some assistance from some of these incredible children around here. Amen.